Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas, and thank you for joining us for Texas Ag Today. I'm your host, Jessica Dommel, sitting in for Carrie Martin. I'm joined by the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. We're standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture, from the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the Panhandle all the way down to the Rio Grande Valley. This is Jim Hearn in the Rio Grande Valley. Extreme South Texas continues to thaw out with damage assessments now underway. We'll have those stories and more in today's report. In like a lamb, out like a lion. A look at the March weather forecast for the state of Texas. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have that story on Texas Ag today. We've had some recent big snows that made headlines, but drought conditions in the Texas High Plains have gotten worse. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Love those stories, news from Washington, Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets coming up. Some small grain crops were affected by the freeze in late February. Adam Owens, a field agronomist for Pioneer in Central Texas, says the extent of the damage depends on where the crop is. Time will tell how significantly the impact on yield and or forage will be. The earlier planted fields, fields with lighter soil textures such as sandier ground, some of the hillsides, the top of the hillsides, what we've seen is those have been a little bit more impacted than others. What we are seeing in the wheat is that most of the crop was still at the tillering stage, which is good because at this stage, the wheat is the most resistant to freeze injury during its whole growth and development there. Had we been in the joint or jointing uh, grow stage, which is peaks five and six, we would have seen much more damage. And the reason behind that is that jointing head formation is occurring. The growing point moves from below ground to now an above ground area. And so severe stresses like what we saw during this winter storm could have killed the growing point and caused bending of the lower stem, causing it to lay over. And the impact on yield at that stage would have been moderate to severe, where conversely, where we're at right now, in that tillering stage, it's more mild. That was Adam Owens, pioneer agronomist. The ongoing drought across much of the state may affect the size of the Texas cow herd. Carrie Martin joins us with more. The La Nina weather pattern is expected to continue here in 2021, and that could affect cattlemen in all areas of Texas. With drought affecting nearly half of the state, the size of the Texas cattle herd could take a hit. But Texas A&M Livestock Marketing Specialist David Anderson says we may be in a little better position to get through another drought year than we were during the last one 10 years ago. You know, we did not rebuild our cow herd back to those pre-drought levels. We were still down a good 500,000 head last year from 
the peak before the, the last drought. And so, you know, we might think about that as giving us a little bit of uh, maybe some slack in some uh, occasions that maybe we're a little better able to weather that drought on the whole based on how we restocked after the last one. Texas A&M's David Anderson. I'm Terry Martin on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Despite recent precipitation in the form of snow and ice, it is still dry in the Texas High Plains. James Hunt reports from Amarillo. If you go by the weekly updates of the Texas Drought Monitor map, Conditions around the Texas High Plains have actually worsened in recent weeks, despite some snows and other precipitation events. There is some moisture in the surface, but when you look at the depth, the profile, and so forth, what you would want to see as a farmer, or rancher for that matter, the moisture conditions do remain very low. That's Calvin Trossel, Texas A&M AgriLife agronomist, describing the situation in the South Plains, where the most acute drought circumstances in our region are found right now. Planting time is still a month or more away, but if things don't improve by then, Dr. Trossel says some farmers with dryland fields might resort to dry planting and waiting for rain, while those with at least some irrigation capacity... Even if they've suffered significantly from declines in the Ogallala Aquifer, there is still the possibility they can readily get out enough moisture to get germination and stand establishment. Hopefully area farmers will get a break and receive good planting rains. But Dr. Trossel advises, conserve what soil moisture you do have. An inch of moisture in much of Texas is worth probably in the range of around 60 pounds of cotton yield. It's worth 400 pounds of grain sorghum yield. It's worth, oh, could be eight, even nine bushels of corn. And so I think, you know, in any year, 2021, no exception, when we get to spring, we think about what we're going to do in those fields. And if we could minimize tillage, we could hang on to some of that moisture. And as for dryland wheat farmers with cattle out grazing... Somebody with some wheat that's still hanging on, but it's been grubbed pretty hard, they need to get the cattle off of there for several weeks, see if some rain come along to perk that up. And if so, then they'll get that big flush of growth that they're looking for. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. What can we expect weather-wise in March? Tom Nicoletti visits with the meteorologist. My guest again today from Fort Worth is National Weather Service meteorologist Tom Bradshaw. And Tom, today we get together to talk about the weather across Texas for the month of March. What is the forecast as we turn our attention to the last few weeks of winter, believe it or not, and uh, spring will be here in just a few weeks. What what, what do the temperatures and the precipitation uh, levels look like? quite a blessed relief to be experiencing uh, mild temperatures here in the first week of March compared to what we what we dealt with back in February. Looking ahead, you know, March is really a time of transition in the state of Texas. It's one of the months of the year where you really start to see the average temperatures start to climb. As you go through the month of March, we start to see a lot of 70s across a good part of the state and, and 80s start to become a commonplace across the southern half of the state. The trends this year, based on what we're seeing in our long-term models, do suggest that we'll start to see gradually increasing temperatures as we go through the month of March. The one thing that's a little disturbing is we're still on the dry side. We're still not seeing a whole lot of rain in the long-term forecast, even though March is one of the wetter months of the year. So we would hope to see some fronts start to come in and start to hopefully produce a little bit 
bit more rainfall across the area, but we're not not seeing a lot of strong signs of that yet. Yes, in like a lamb in that uh, generally uh, the first part of March is uh, not too active, but uh, we never know by the end of March going into the rest of spring, out like a lion in that you folks are keeping an eye on uh, possible uh, severe weather that could occur. Yeah, that phrase is really apt for the month of March. Typically, the first part of March is generally pretty quiet, and that seems to be the the rule that we're holding to this year across the state. But as you get towards the end of the month, the the tornado and severe weather climatology really starts to intensify across a good part of the state of Texas. The odds of seeing severe weather, of, of experiencing severe thunderstorms, or perhaps even a tornado really start to increase across the northern and central counties of Texas as you get into the end of the month. So folks need to dust off their severe weather preparedness plan and start thinking about severe weather. Even though winter weather was just a couple of weeks ago, we still need to be moving ahead and starting to think about um, how we stay safe for severe weather season. We're still seeing exceptional drought across the far western portions of the state of Texas from the Panhandle uh, southward to the Big Bend region. But there are pockets of dry soil even further east along the I-35 corridor from about uh, the Dallas-Fort Worth area southward towards Laredo and even down into the valley. That is National Weather Service meteorologist Tom Bradshaw joining us today from Fort Worth. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. How did the late February freeze affect the Rio Grande Valley? Jim Hearn explains. The valley has seen some of its lowest temperatures in 30-plus years as the mercury hit 21 degrees and over three to four days, 30 hours plus below freezing and a very important 10 to 16 hours below 28 degrees. Row crops that had been planted will have to be replanted. Soil temperatures dipped into the upper 40, so it's going to take some time for soils to warm back up for the planting to even start again. Well, citrus are still being evaluated, but there's a lot of dead leaves hanging on the trees, which usually means the wood underneath is also dead. Very little of the 50% of the remaining grapefruit crop left will be salvageable even for juice. The return to warmer days will likely turn the fruit into mush. Now, we also had about 80% of the Valley Valencia orange crop unharvested as well. Now, The chances for a commercial citrus crop in 2021-2022 is doubtful. Blooms, lemons, and limes are now black, and all the new growth is burned up. Hedgers will be rolling through the orchards, cutting back maybe as much as 12 to 18 inches of the dead wood on severe trees. It may take a little longer for some trees to tell how much they will have to be cut back. All the trees will have to be trimmed. Citrus, a million-dollar commodity here in the Valley, and growers are facing, well, hundreds of millions of dollars and losses. Electricity to packing sheds has been shut down, so no fruit was being packed, and because of the icy roads, truck traffic was halted. Sugarcane stalks are split, and as we return to warm days, the sugarcane will decrease rapidly. The several thousand acres did remain to be harvested, and that's going to cost growers, again, millions of dollars in lost revenue. Now, the onions will also be affected. The most mature onions were harvested to beat the freeze, but what was left in the field has been damaged. We just don't know how much. A marketing gap will soon develop because Mexican growers were also affected as well. This is Jim Hearn reporting from the Rio Grande Valley for Texas Ag Today. Thousands of dead fish have floated onto the Texas coast following the freeze in late February. 
I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll explain why coming up. Also, spring calving season is here, and sometimes cows need a little human assistance in the calving process. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau Insurance has protected fellow Texans with auto, home, health, and life insurance since 1952. With more than 260,000 square miles of land and 27 million people, that's a lot to cover. Whether you're wrangling cattle or wrangling kids, we're proud to protect Texans in all Texan ways of life. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to get insurance for Texans by Texans. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. If your cow is in the calving process and seems to be straining a little bit too long, at what point do you need to step in and help? Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has some advice. Stage two labor in cattle is the stage of contractions and the stage when the calf is born. This stage begins with the first appearance of the water bag and ends with the birth of the calf. Now this all sounds easy, but there are exceptions as it is possible a cow could be in stage two labor and have no evidence of anything at the vulva as the fetus may be abnormally positioned, which prevents any portion of the calf or membranes to be visible at the vulva. Some of these cows will only walk around with their tails out and straining. So if you see this, the cow is likely having trouble. Dr. Glenn Selk recommends monitoring heifers for only one hour and mature cows for over 30 minutes before examining the animal if a calf is not born. Although the literature indicates stage two labor can last two to four hours, Dr. Glenn Selk from Oklahoma State indicates he believes this is too long to wait, and I agree. If you wait two hours to check on calving, you will lose a lot of calves. Always perform a vaginal exam before pulling on any portion of the fetus because attempting to deliver it when the cervix is not dilated will cause the cervix to tear and likely cause the cow to be infertile in the future. If the cervix is not dilated or aggressive pulling does not result in progress, call your vet because if you damage the birth canal, your vet's only option will be a cesarean. Once a calf is born, do not hang them upside down or over a fence like we used to do, as this actually interferes with breathing and causes them to lose stomach fluid. Instead, tickle the nose with a piece of straw to stimulate them to breathe and carry a large suction bulb to suction out the airway. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. It has been more than a week since winter storm Uri brought freezing temperatures, ice, and snow into Texas. But we're still seeing the impacts that the storm had on Texas wildlife and habitat. Last week, volunteers were busy along the Texas coast picking up thousands of dead fish that were unable to find refuge in warmer water during the winter storm. According to KIII News in the Coastal Bend, more than 6,000 pounds of fish were collected on Padre Island. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department reports fish died all along the Texas coast, but it appears as though bay systems south of Galveston Bay were hit the hardest. The majority of the kills were located along the southern shores and undeveloped areas such as the backsides of the barrier islands like Pringle Lake of Matagorda Island. 
TPWD reports the majority of the fish impacted were non-recreational species like pinfish, silver perch, gulf menhaden, and other foraging fish. Recreationally important fish like spotted sea trout, red drum, sheep's head, gray snapper, snook, black drum, and tarpon were also impacted. We'll have a better picture of how many game species were impacted with spring gillnet sampling from mid-April through June. TPWD says freezing events along the Texas coast, fortunately, are rare. It was the extreme cold temperatures that caused the fish kills. Fish that were unable to find refuge in deeper, more temperature-stable waters were more likely to die when the temperature dropped to a certain threshold. The fish that were in areas like the Laguna Madre, where the water is more shallow, were more susceptible to the freezing temperatures. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department reports that they continue to assess the magnitude of the freezing event. Cattle and cotton were trading lower Tuesday, with corn and wheat trading higher. We'll take a look at the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Did you know that one out of every three mouthfuls of food we eat is produced by insect pollination, most of which is done by bees? In fact, bees are vitally important to food production. That's why modern agriculture is working with beekeepers to promote bee health. Ensuring a sustainable food supply requires each of us to play our part in preserving the land and protecting pollinators. This public service announcement is brought to you by Syngenta. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Cattle prices were mixed at the close Tuesday after opening the day lower. April live cattle prices up 45 cents at 119.42. June live cattle prices up 25 cents at 117.75. March feeder cattle prices down 67 cents to 136.52. April feeder cattle down 65 cents at 140.47. Boxed beef prices were lower Tuesday, choice down $2.07 to $236.96. Select boxed beef prices were down $1.10 to $226.54. Now let's check the livestock auctions in Texas. We're walking the pins with J.R. Gully. Today we visit with Rodney Butler of the Beeville Livestock Commission. Rodney had a cattle sale this past Friday, February the 26th. Rodney, how was that sale? Uh, we got along real good. Uh, market was about steady like it was when we didn't have a sale a week ago. But uh, I thought the market was pretty strong and steady on them good calves. Still selling good, sir. All right. Let's walk the pins. All right. We had 246 head of cattle, six horses, and 11 sheep goats. And like I said, that old market was steady compared to weeks before. Your 200, 300 pounds steers are $1.22 to $1.70. Efforts $1.15 to $1.29. 300, 400 pounds steers $1.33 to $1.75. Efforts $1.24 to $1.35. Your 400 to 500 pounds steers $1.32 to $1.63. Efforts $1.22 to $1.58. Your 500 to 600 pounds steers $1.23 to $1.42. Heifers $1.11 to $1.25. Your 600 to 700 pounds steers were $1.14 to $1.33. Heifers $1.08 to $1.22. And your 700 to 800 pounds steers were $1.05 to $1.11. And heifers were $90 to $95. Packer cow market and bull market was a little stronger. They brought anywhere from $30 to 
60 cents. Bulls were bought from 50 to 87. Young stalker cows, we had a few of them. They brought anywhere from 40 to 66 cents with some bred cows dollaring out around that 750. And the pairs we had Friday brought anywhere from 960 to 1,090, sir. Rodney Butler at the Beeville Livestock Commission sells them every Friday. Rodney, how do we get a hold of you? Yeah, if I can help you in any way, market your cattle, call me at 361-358-1727 or call me on my mobile, 645-5002. We appreciate you joining us today for this segment of Walking the Pins, a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm your host, J.R. Gully, in for Larry Marble. Good day. Lean hog futures tumbled lower Tuesday, feeling some pretty sharp losses. Lean hogs for April were down $2.37 at $85.35. May lean hogs were down $1.65 at $87.92. Class 3 milk for February was up 2 cents to $15.65 a hundredweight. March Class 3 milk was up 22 cents at $16.34 a hundredweight. Butter futures were up Tuesday 3 to 7 cents higher. Dry whey futures were a cent to a cent and a half higher. After seeing higher cotton prices on Monday, prices fell just a little bit on Tuesday. Cotton for May was down 58 points at 90.99. Cotton for December was down 34 points at 86.45. Strolling on over to the wheat category, Kansas City wheat closed higher Tuesday and that erased some of Monday's losses. Kansas City wheat for March closed up 12 and 3 quarters to 627. Wheat for May closed up 12 at 635 and a quarter. Wheat for July closed up 11 and 3 quarters at 640 and a half. Corn trading Tuesday took back part of Monday's loss. March corn was up 13 and a quarter to 560 and 3 quarters. September corn was up 7 and a quarter to 493. Corn for December was up 7 at 475 and 3 quarters. Natural gas for April was up seven cents at two eighty-five. Crude oil for April down eighty-nine cents at fifty-nine seventy-five. Soybeans for March were up twenty-one and a half to fourteen fourteen. Soybeans for May were up twenty-one and a quarter to fourteen twelve and a half. Looking at the financial markets, the Dow Jones Industrial Average was down forty-nine to thirty-one thousand four eighty-five. The Nasdaq was down 161 points at 13,427. The S&P 500 was down 15 to 3,886. Well, that wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Remember, we'll be right here next time to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. Don't want to miss a minute of Texas agriculture news? It's best to subscribe. Simply search Texas Ag Today wherever you listen to podcasts. When you find us, click subscribe. I'm Jessica Dolmel sitting in for Carrie Martin. Y'all have a good day. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website, at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.